lists. Lots of talking about lists. Oh yeah. We put things on lists. And take them off too. Oh yeah. And we should talk Dax and Bashir a lot. Oh yeah. It's time for the season 1 wrap up. Hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we're talking... Well, actually, we're talking, we're doing something a little bit different this week. (laughs) My name is Wade Bowen. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. This is an exciting night here, isn't it? We've just finished uh, last episode last week of season one, and here we are talking about season one on the whole yes so guys yes that's right uh yeah we've gone through the whole season and now we know how to fix it better than anybody else does because we're arrogant (laughs) yeah and as we found over the course of the season some of season one is pretty rough terrain as far as just uh there's a lot of things to watch in this world and if you're making the choice to go back and watch first season of deep space nine there may be a, a little too much bad in this first season what i mean no i i, I would i that's that that crazy to say i don't know what you're talking about a person should just love to go through and watch every single episode and no, I, I I can't I can't lie to you. Some of this first season episodes, some of them I tell you say just leave alone. Yeah. Well, now let me ask right off the bat. Uh huh. At the end of season one, were they in like how were they doing as a show? Were they in danger of not coming back? And was it a success? Does anybody have any sort of historical? Do we know how well they were doing? Give me a second on that. I know that I'm going to say that it was doing well. I've never read anything about it just being bad in general, like the reviews being of the ratings being bad. I do know that. um, Yeah. And I think that they probably expected it to be a slight drop off from Next Generation, which it was. But I don't think that they ever just fell into like sort of chronic ratings problems like, let's say, Enterprise did. Right. Right. It's different, too, because it's still working on that syndication sales yeah. method instead of like Enterprise was on a network that they were beholden to. So it feels like Paramount had put money and spent more than they spent on Undiscovered Country to do this mm-hmm. show. So they built the sets and everything. So they were probably at least locked in for probably, i say two or three seasons they were probably felt like they yeah. probably had in the back. And we can attest that these episodes were pretty, you can tell a lot of that, a lot of money wasn't on the screen. They weren't spending a lot of money on sets, a lot of, no. you know, sort of like. <laughs> no. So, I mean, it looks, some of this looks just downright cheap this first season yeah the biggest thing they did in season one was blow up a kiln <laughs> i think that was the biggest right yeah they spent a lot of money on the main sets for the promenade and hops uh, and everything because those are right. big wide open sets and then that probably took a lot of money i guess <laughs> so yeah they, i mean the odo the odo effects had to be expensive oh uh, yeah yeah morphing technology was all the rage and very expensive and for how cheap it looks so 
Where were they creatively, though, with their creative team at the end of season one? That's what I wanted to mention. I remember at the time, I'm not sure by the end of season one or by season two or three, it just in the in the air, you had people just complaining about DS9 because it wasn't Star Trek enough. Because they don't go anywhere and it's just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so then that's about when they kind of reorient. Worf comes in and everything. I do know that I was reading on in the season two about what was going on in the writer's room or any sort of changes. And the biggest change was that Mark Pillar told them that they needed to tell stories that weren't just next generation stories. We've complained and complained on this podcast about how this is a show with obligations. This is a show that's just doing a lot of fan service for next generation. And Pillar wanted to get away from that. So that's when they start doing these really sort of Bajoran heavy plot lines that are uh, that uses in the hands of the prophets the last episode of season one as a jumping off point for how to tell yeah, yeah. More stories on Deep Space Nine, which is what they do pretty quickly. Yeah. The first three episodes in season three are a three-episode story arc that deeply involves Bajorans and Cardassians and all of that stuff. So I think that at this stage, they were going hard to make it different than Next Generation. I'm thinking that probably what fans were saying when they were saying that it wasn't Next Generation enough, they were probably saying that it still wasn't consistently good enough. Right. Right. Which I think is definitely the case this first season. Yeah. And then Star Trek nerds are hard. They're, they're you know. They're a fickle lot. <laughs> nerds are hard to please. Mm-hmm. You know, big surprise, everybody. <laughs> so then, like, they don't, and then I feel like even Voyager was, okay, nerds, we'll give you Star Trek that you want. Here's one where they're on a ship and they're going somewhere and there's your new realms and exploration. Can I make a quick, you brought something up about Star Trek fans being hard to please. And doesn't that strike you as a little bit ironic since the first series got canceled after what, four seasons? Three. Three seasons. seasons. That's right. And they're, they should just be lucky that it exists, mm-hmm. right? They're not grateful. <laughs> they should just be lucky that it, they, they even have some more to enjoy. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest problem is, is I was trying to talk... Uh, I have friends who are less creative or family, let's say, who is less creative than other people. And they watch the shows they like and they like them or don't like them. And at the end, they they like go, oh, I don't like this episode or I like this episode. But it seems to me that like specifically Star Trek fans and just these sort of deep nerd fans in general, probably sci-fi in general, like sci-fi because it's a springboard for their own creativity. So these fans that waited on Next Generation have a not just the 73 or 74 episodes of the original series, but all the stories that they've created in their heads about what they want to be the show and then once you finally bring it back they hate it because it's not anything like what's in their heads and then then they get used to that and then they love next generation and then deep space nine isn't like what was in their heads i think that a lot of it is everybody walks around like i think comic book fans are like this batman fans have batman stories star wars fans have star wars stories that they want they have in their heads (laughs) and when the right and you have to kind of get over that, you know, as a fan, that this story is not what was in my head. Right. Yeah. And then they write their stories and then they make characters that they like have sex with other characters that they <laughs> <Right>. like. <laughs> yes, they do. And then draw pictures and, of them. Yeah. And now all of those fans are uh, my little ponies. Fans. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bronies. 
Oh god. Yeah, that's a whole other well, they, thing. They were birthed from this. <laughs> oh yeah, this is yeah. Oh, there. It's not that far down the family tree to get the bronies. No, I no it is. No, it is. Yeah, and I'd say there's a pretty big overlap between bronies. Also, probably know perhaps more than we do about Star Trek. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. But the one thing I will say when I was reading that about how Mark Pillar was sort of yeah. challenging the writers' room to come up with new ideas for the first episode of season two, that it says this was originally picked as a next generation episode so like they're still stuck in that sort of cycle and i think uh, right maybe it seems to me that just looking back and from reading and in my memory that it was season three that um sort of kicked it all off where the real difference yeah, changes. yeah that feels but right. you have to remember up until it looks like the middle of this season so 12 episodes into season two was all one year was all 2013 or 2009, I'm sorry, 1993. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It's 20 years back. <laughs> it's like, whoa, wait a uh, minute. It was all... Uh... <laughs> 1993. So the show starts <laughs> for a show that's only two years old. Man, this show sucks. Oh wait a the minute. The photo graphics are particularly bad. No, for 1992, it's it's great. Yeah, no, I mean it'd still be fine. And now, no, I take it all back. It doesn't suck. The at duet all. would be good in today's television. I would love duet. Oh yeah, no. Uh, but that's about it from this season. <laughs> But speaking of modern television, one of the things that we talk about is that, thankfully, thank the Lord, current television, the Beth shows, no longer are on this 20-plus season, 20-plus episode season sort of stretch. And so one of the things that we were going to talk about doing for this episode right. was narrowing this season down to a more modern length of a season um, from, like, basically 10 to 13 episodes. Is that what we were going to do today? Yep. Yeah, that is... In fact, what we're going to do, it's like we almost planned it. <laughs> we almost planned this. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I just wanted to say that I think that it's because when you watch this old shows, you realize just how much crap they have to do just out of like idea fatigue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, a writer's room is going to only have 12 good ideas, and that's the best one. So, you're going to have just 10 to 12 episodes a season that are just putrid. <laughs> They're just uninspired and just everybody just earning a paycheck. And this season was definitely no different than that. Right. What? <laughs> so who wants to go first with this? You didn't love each and every episode of here? Like it was better than the next? I didn't. I have a six episode shit list <laughs> that I think are some of the worst crap. Oh. Now, uh, Hugh, I'd like to hear yours first, just because I, I think you put some work into this. All right. I did 12. And the case for 12, as I look at my list, is not as strong as probably a case for 10 but here are my <laughs> 12 in order uh, i would have the first episode of course be emissary i think we have to include that in any list i'm sure all of us included emissary uh, yes, <laughs> right yeah, i imagine did a nice job of of uh, kicking off the whole series then i would go to two i would two would be progress the episode that i mentioned where they blew up the kiln I think it's a nice one to show some more what they're up against in Bajor. And, uh -huh. and then I'd go to past prologue. Again, it's another Bajor episode, and I think it would go up nicely. It's another Kira episode, too. Like, so it would, like, yeah, yeah. spend some time developing that Kira, the, the Bajorans as a people. Bajorans and, and, and so like Kira's that. relationship. Yeah. Uh, then I would shift gears to Vortex, mm -hmm. where they talk about it's an Odo episode, and they talk about the Gamma Quadrant a little bit. Okay, then after so much Odo and Kira, I would bring it all back for a little bit to the Star Trek universe at large with Q-less. 
I think that there are some Star Trek math where you need to look at some common denominators. You know, I think that's kind of fun for the fans. I think a little bit, this is my only episode that has anything to do with the rest of the Star Trek universe in this first season. Mm-hmm. So I, I go with Culus. Number six, then I go with Captive Pursuit. Um, there is a little bit of problem with Captive Pursuit. It's not the best episode. If you're going to make, if you look at this 12 episodes, it can't be killer, no filler. There has to be some filler. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, Captive yeah, yeah. Pursuit <laughs> is my one thing that I chose because it is a Gamma Quadrant episode. Yeah. And it also shows a little bit of Star Trek character math. Right. Where you're able to see how they deal with the Prime Directive and other cultures. Uh, seven. Then I'd bring it back to the Nagus, which focuses on the Ferengi side of Deep Space Nine. And actually just like how the wormhole is going to factor in to the you know station life and then here we go again with a not so great episode that go with the storytelling really oh really really yeah i mean yes and it's only because of the bajoran aspect the bajoran yes, thing yeah that, yeah that is it and then after that it gets you mean the the jake stuff at back on jake and nog with the yeah the it, teenage princess yeah well they're on bajor for the first time so that's oh like, that's true right. I, have to, I have to have them and, and then also and then the shards of the orbs coming into play yeah and the jake and nog story yeah right after the nagus you have nog and you're you're familiar with ferengi culture the jake and the nog stuff makes a little bit more sense maybe right after the nagus episode then you go straight to episode nine, which would be the Forsaken, which is the Loxwana Troy episode that was so great. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, and then number ten, I would have Battle Lines, and this is where we have Kyle Paca dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. then I would have Duet, and then twelve, I would have In the Hands of the Prophets. See, I would kill Kyopaka, have a break in duet, and then have the callback to Kyopaka's death being dealt with one episode later. Yeah, so it feels like it has some uh, momentum, right? Like there, right. So that's why I put Battle Lines 10. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's because oh, yeah, it, that's good. It, it happened so early that by the time it's called back mm-hmm. in the series, you almost forgot who Kyle Paca was and what she was all about. Right. Yeah. That's good because in mine, I, I even bumped it up a lot earlier up, but you're, we'll get to that. But yeah, it does make sense. Wait, to ba- ha- you bumped Battle Lines up, up more? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you, so um, it was yeah. sooner okay. in this series. Yeah, totally. I killed a Kyo alpaca real fast. But <laughs> all right, well, let's go to let's go to Wade's then. Yeah, go to yours. All right. Yeah, mine. I I I'm still I'm not sure on some of it, but yeah, of course we start with emissary. Oh, and I also have little things. My list is I put things in, but also like, hey, if I'm reordering the season, I'm going to put in some details into these that I would change as well. Sure. Why not? Go for it. Mm-hmm. And Emissary, I would have the only the tweak I would add other than, hey, why don't we actually make all the actors great if we can do anything? Because some of the acting <laughs> is bad. But looking at you, Cisco's wife. Yeah, she was. But I, I would also, in addition to having him lose his wife, I would have killed Curzon Dax like we mentioned when we were going over one individual episode somewhere we talked oh what if you killed Curzon Dax on the Saratoga oh on on the Saratoga yeah and then you have yeah I did like that idea you throw in an extra scene when Cisco is almost grieving over Curzon Dax while he's meeting Jadzia Dax as a woman and I don't know it just ties things together a little bit it would have been an interesting thing so that's my first episode then, if we can change things around, my second episode actually is A Man Alone. What? Wow. <laughs> what? But 
what? Only, only if it, if we have to go with the episode we have, no, it gets scrapped immediately. Okay. But if they go with the original idea of it, you go straight and do the Nuremberg trials, basically. Oh, that, that the, original pitch for it, yes. yeah. Yeah, the original pitch. So I wrote down a man at Nuremberg as right. my episode. <laughs> that would be two so, Nuremberg trial themed sort of episodes because duet is obviously heavily Eichmann trial. Right, so you, right. would, you would do, okay. Yeah. Hey, how about we just have this whole season have a theme, you know, right. of commit to the Nazi yeah, Cardassian parallel. It's post-occupation. Yeah. And so you do a lot more scene setting by having that the second episode where you're talking about the where the Bajorans have been through and how they are going. You have it all about setting up the new paradigm with the wormhole and starting to heal from this horrible occupation that they've been through for 60 years. So if we if I can change the episode, that's the second episode I have. Then I went straight to Captive Pursuit just so we can say, oh, yeah, remember the wormhole in this? We have so we have a first alien coming through the wormhole. Felt like I was like, oh, maybe I put that later. But it's like, no, I want to get that early in just so we have our alien unsure first contact. Yeah. Get that out of the way. So we do that. Then I went to, I wasn't sure these next two, I, I had Dax in. Wow. So I was like, okay. You put Dax in. Yeah. Okay. I forgot to ask you, are you a 12, you're a 12 episode? I think this is 10. 10. Okay. Yeah. 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 So and then I put Dax in, but I, I wasn't sure. I'm, I'm still undecided whether I have Dax next or I have battle lines next where you mm. kill Kai Alpaca. Mm-hmm. But if you put Dax before, I was thinking maybe, no, you put Battle Lines first, and then you have the judge that is going over Jedzia's here, Dax's hearing, also is on the station because of the turmoil from the Kai being lost or killed. Oh, okay. or, oh that judge was great. I forgot she, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was the great. She's there on my middle. That's an episode that's in my middle of the pack. Yeah. It's definitely a borderline episode. I think you can make a strong case of leaving it in, and you can also make a strong case of leaving it out. Yeah. So I think it's good yeah. that one of us put it in. Yeah, I have three borderline episodes, and that's one of that's one of yeah. them. Yeah. Mainly because I wanted that judge in there. And you know what? I bump up her part a little bit, mm. and you have her deal with some of the fallout from the Kai being dead or on this other planet. So I bump battle lines. Yeah way up and then after you kill the Kai and everything and it's all heady it's like oh we need some to middle of it we need to lighten the mood a little bit then I went the Nagus just to okay mm-hmm. let's take a little breath after that but then then oh after we have a fun episode with the Nagus we go to progress and then we're all moody again with Kira blowing up the kiln and kicking the guy out of the Shire <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to the Forsaken because I just wanted that in there because I liked that episode so much. So yeah, and and I we needed more Odo in because I didn't include Vortex anywhere. I, I kicked Vortex out. See, I think Vortex. Uh, okay, so that was you kicked Vortex out. Yeah, it's like I could take All it, right. and I'm still mad at the Vortex because it's not a Vortex in this dumb title. <laughs> the title is, is is dumb, but no dumber than the Forsaken though. I don't think. Yeah, I mean none of the titles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and then I forgot Cueless. I'd want to. So I'm a little bummed that I don't have Cueless in here, but we have to lose one. And then after the Forsaken, we go into Duet and in the hands of the prophets to close it out. Very nice. Yeah. So we all keep both of us so far have Duet and then in the hands of the prophets. It seems like the like the one thing that this <laughs> the series got right the first time. Yeah, they knew how to end it, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you can't fuck with those two episodes. You can't fuck with them being paired together. And then, and obviously at the end. So I have that too. No, I think Wade, yeah. with your list, 
you've got Dax in there, and I don't have Dax in there. I think your list does a better service to Dax as a character than my list does, because I think on all these 12 episodes, Dax probably has like 16 lines. <laughs> yeah. She's so underutilized. Well, she's only got two in the Dax episode. <laughs> we, did. we pointed that out. At least it's about her, though. We did point that out, that she hardly talks at all in the episode that's all about yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I too have Dax off the list. So. Wow. Yeah. I noticed, and I'm I'm real bummed I lost Q list in there, because I noticed my favorite episodes in here were all the just TNG pandering ones, the Next Generation pandering episodes. Like, <laughs> I like Q list a lot. Did you have Captive Pursuit? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I had that one. Uh, we both did. I had mine six. I had it third. That is the one where we've got the prime directive questions, and we also have the reptiles with the hair. Right? Is that correct? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And if we could change things, I would keep that in as a hint. I would hint harder about the Dominion, which is a thing that happens later and is what the whole show is about, basically. Yeah, that's what you would have done with that episode. Mm -hmm. I would have had that little Easter egg at two episodes in. They've set up what the new status quo is. Then the third episode is where you start to hint at what is really going to destroy the status quo of everything. So having that third is a pretty good idea. If you're going to redo it the way, you know. Mm-hmm. If you're changing stuff, adding the Dominion as a name. Yeah. Because we are actually currently just four episodes away from it being uttered. Oh, okay. So it's pretty close. Yeah. Otherwise, this is a standard, oh, this is an episode where you could just watch and drop in, drop out. And you're like, oh, this is an innocent, fun episode, Prime Directive episode. Mm-hmm. But then you have this little lurking thing in there that comes up yeah. in a big way later. Is how I would play that. Cool. So yeah, or what are your episodes, James? I also have a ten episode season. I can make it twelve. There's like a sort of like I said earlier. There's like a there's three episodes that I feel are borderline, but just don't make my cut. And those are going to be Cueless, Dax, and the Storyteller. I don't think those are awful episodes, but I yeah, killer no filler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Storyteller wasn't great. Yeah, and not only that, but I felt like they were doing a big storyline badly with the special effects and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. So I feel like it looked extra hokey. But okay, so obviously I have emissary. That's not going to change for any of us. And I think we all have past prologue as number two. Is that right? Uh, no, I have progress as number two. Progress. Okay. And I don't have past prologue at all. I cut it. Oh, you cut past prologue. So you go from emissary to captive. What do you go from? To a man alone, Nuremberg version. Oh, you cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You kept man alone. You changed man alone. But OK. Yeah. If I can't change it, I'd, I'd throw in past prologue. Easy. OK. So I like past prologue and I do like Hugh's idea of marrying it to progress. Like those two episodes close together so that you have it's a lot of Kira. It's a lot of Bajor. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like what's going on you and Bajor. But I actually liked watching progress after battle lines because it, it was something about Kira's character having lost her alpaca <laughs> in battle lines that made her sort of glom on to like some other sort of oh yeah she's kind of a follower or that that's one of her things she followed a terrorist group and she followed this religious order and now she followed this grumpy old man that that's sort of a thing in her nature that came out in those two episodes that i kind of liked so i'm still going to keep that next to battle lines uh-huh. i get past prologue second captive pursuit and I actually tried to cut it. I like the episode fine, but it is it is more filler than killer. But it's the first time you have first contact with the Dominion. Right. And you're right. It does open up that doorway to all kind of Jim Hadar sort of questions. And I, I feel like it is, if you didn't watch Next Generation, it's a reasonable introduction to O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And if you did watch Next Generation, you probably don't remember O'Brien. Right, right, right. It works as like a sort of a that. I thought about cutting that one too, but I was like, you know what? This is probably O'Brien's best episode of O'Brien episodes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's much better than If Wishes Were Horses oh, or yeah. Babel or... Okay, so anyway, uh, or Dramatis Personae, which I hate. Okay, so you then, I would move Vortex up after Captive Pursuit. I feel like that's a pretty good Odo episode. And since mm-hmm. you cut a man alone, you need something that talks about Odo. And it also marries Odo to the Changelings because it has the Changeling key. Yeah, yeah. And that it's homed in the in the Gamma Quadrant. So I feel like you need that there. And more than you, I think I just like the episode. Yeah. Uh, more than more than you, Wade. One thing mine my, my might lack is you do need an episode with the Odo mystery to hit on. Yeah. My season's kind of missing that, which I think it's an important key that, or part of the season or show that you need to have in there. Yeah. So episode five, you have the Nagus. That's just too much fun. It's probably the most fun episode in the season, and and it's 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 it sets up a lot more than you think it does, mm-hmm. and it especially informs Quark. Then I'll, I'll go into battle lines and then progress. I like those two episodes together, and I like that they feel like there's real movement in the season. So you're sort of hurling towards the third act. Yeah, I like that. And then and then sort of break it up with Forsaken, where you have another Odo story, sort of a tender story. And then um, from that, I don't love the primary story in The Forsaken right. about the dog virus in the computer. I don't love that. But oh, all yeah. of the Odo in the Odo and the elevator with Loxana is so good that it's worth it. Right. And then obviously ran it up with Duet and in the hands of the prophet. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a I think that's a, a really good sort of I, I think that's a type 10. Yeah. If I had to stretch it, I would still cut the storyteller. I would add Qless back in and I would add Dax because Dax, you're right. She is ill served by the material, the good material of the season. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that episode sort of builds her the most. And I don't think you need Q in the season, but if you did, that's the episode you would get him in. So. <laughs> right. So that's where I'm at. Okay. So we're basically all like 80 or 90% the same. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is I killed off the Kai pretty early on in the season. Yeah. And that does Mm -hmm. kind of interfere with your flow. And if you're trying to go into like a big third act with the season. Yeah, it does. And that I like, okay, just me as a viewer watching it for this time and then doing this podcast, the storyline of me watching the show again is realizing where I stopped hating Kira. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And it was somewhere in progress. Yeah, it was definitely progress. I was trying not to in Battle Battle Lines. Battle Lines, she was bad, but I felt like she had some spunk with how she was trying to do it, and she just wasn't, you know, like, she won me over. Like, she wasn't good, but she was trying, I got the feeling she was trying so hard. Right. Like, I don't feel, we'll get into this later, but uh, I don't feel that Bashir is acting his ass off, and I don't think that Terry Farrell is acting her ass off. No. But I think that I've been hard on, on Nana Visitor, and I think that she's acting her ass off in this show. Too much. But uh, in Battle Lines, <laughs> I think it got frayed. Yeah, at least he's putting the work in. Yeah, it's easier to love someone who's putting the time in badly than the one who's not putting in the time at all. <laughs> yeah, bless her heart. She's trying so hard. And this all works because by the time you get to duet, I get the feeling that you have this woman who's had an arc. Yeah, that's true. For the season. She might be the only person. Right, she, I was about to say, she's got the best arc out of all of them, probably. Yeah. Cisco does in, in the opening to Emissary, and then his arc's done, basically. Yeah, he's basically immovable after the first episode. So yeah. Odo doesn't really... And Quark is literally just there for comic relief. So you don't have any growth in any of the other characters except for Kira. And they really 
do at the end really nail it. Yeah, yeah. They really ramp it up into where her character is, by the end, I'm bought in. I'm in. I was hard on her. I was specifically hard on the actress. <laughs> and by the end, I'm in. I'm in. She Give me, give me where she goes next. And so I tried to shape the season around that if that was what was going to be the story. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we had a lot of false starts on character arcs where we felt like there might be a character. Arc. Yeah. Cisco's wife is dead in the first five minutes of the entire series, but it's hardly dealt with at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cisco almost has no character. As good as Avery Brooks is, and as good as he's doing the performance, and actually, to be frank, as honest as he is, for him to be your main character, he's rather unmovable. There's not a whole lot on the page. Yeah, and I don't think that that's true. Of, maybe it's true in the first season of Picard, but I don't think so. Picard is your main character of Next Generation. He right. moves, he emotes, he changes, he grows, he feels things. So far, Avery Brooks isn't that. Avery Brooks is stoic. Right. And when he's... <laughs> he punches cute. Yeah, he punches... And fair and even-handed. You know, he's like... He's even-handed. He'll bend the rules for people that... Yeah. Hugs his son. Yeah, he loves his... He's a good dad. There was the one episode where he was a little bit racist yes. towards Snog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he sort of grew. And so that was an episode where he had a little bit of... What What episode was that, actually? Uh, was it, that was... I think that was the storyteller, wasn't it? No, that was... the so one where he's, Nog can't read the Hooked on Phonics. Vortex? Maybe it was Vortex. Was that Vortex? I don't know. That had to have a B-plot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll say it was. Yeah, I think maybe that was Vortex's B-plot. Yeah. So he had a little bit of growth there. But other than that, he's just tough and that's fine that's a good quality in a character yeah yeah but it's not like it's not like what i want to see over the course of a season i want to see a little bit more you know right right, right. i guess the character that's grown the most or closest to an arc would be nog i guess right <laughs> Second to Kira, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Akira first, and then Nog is your B story. Yeah. yeah, but it's basically, you just learn that he's a delinquent, but he's got a good heart, and he tries. He's a good boy. Yeah, and then he's he's got spunk <laughs> and spunk. gumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are we, there's clearly six episodes that, well... Thanks, Wade. I can't say six episodes. There's clearly five episodes we all left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> all, all of us. Uh, Dramatis Personae, Awful. Move Along Home, Awful. If, oh, if yeah. Wishes Were Horses, and Babel, uh, and The Passenger. Awful. <laughs> so out of all, all of those, and I'll put Man Alone as is on this list, uh -huh. what is the worst episode? I know Hugh's going to disagree, but it's got to be Move Along Home. Oh, that was so bad. I do yeah. disagree with you. Yes, album. At least you can look at that and say, this is silly. This is at least watchable and that you can't believe in like O.J. Simpson miniseries, John Travolta <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> watch, you know, at least you can watch it for the camp. Because it's there's some high camp in that episode. There is some high camp. There certainly is that. Babel is direct. It's boring it literally makes no sense it's just lazy awful star trek writing i think babel's got to be the worst i don't know See, i hate dramatis persona yeah but i thought that we would all say i thought everyone but me would say if wishes were horses i mean i hated that episode more after we did the podcast on it than when i watched it i was like oh right oh really yes i think i did too i think 
I think I'm the same boat. Okay. You convinced me that it was awful. But yes. I'll say the most fun episode we've done of this podcast, for me personally, was Move Along Home. I don't know about the listeners out there, <laughs> yeah. but Move Along Home, doing that episode was fun. Yeah. Wade was talking about the airbrushed van and the, <laughs> the yes fans. That was some of the most fun I had. I felt like I had the most funny quips on my notes. Yeah, that yeah. I tried to translate it into. So it was a fun episode to talk about. Babel was so bad that I think the episode was like 38 minutes long oh my like, god just... i was less than that yeah yeah i actually think we could track our viewer loss some some listener loss from that <laughs> episode i don't really know how to like that was the boringest episode and you may be right that was oh my god that was that was putrid. I hated everything about Dramatis Personae. I thought it was it was stupid. It was nonsense. It completely was like, let's take a break. I felt like it was the idea you have when you have no idea. And you just absolutely like, I think that was written. The term paper that you write on Sunday night before it's due Monday morning <laughs> at eight o'clock. I felt like it was the, the television equivalent of that. But no, it wasn't as fun as Move Along Home. They worked on Move Along Home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the drama, Dramatis Personae, the trivia. On IMDb says, yeah. during the filming of this episode, Nana Visitor slipped on a wet stairway and hurt her back. Yes. While Visitor wanted to film her scenes as usual, Rick Berman urged her to go to the hospital. <laughs> it, it seems it seems that you were talking about trying hard and bless her heart. Can't you just imagine <laughs> Nana Visitor with a busted back on this shitty episode of Star Trek just dying to do her scene? That's where you feel like a Michael Dorn or like a Jonathan Frakes can come up to her and go, this episode is shit. Don't, don't, don't take, <laughs> right. take the day, take the sick day. Yeah, like, take a knee. It's all right. You know, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this episode is a favorite of Ira Stephen Bear. Yeah, fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> fuck him and his goatee. That's another part of the trivia. Fuck him and his blue goatee. Yeah. That's the thing. I keep going back to Ira Stephen Bear is that he's got really great instincts, sort of, but he's got really bad instincts, too. <laughs> and like that episode, I think, did he write that episode? I think so. I'm going to look. It looks like Joe Minowski. Joe Minowski. Joe? Joe wrote it? <laughs> I don't know Joe, but yeah, you know Joe just likes it. I guess <laughs> that's just weird. Okay, I bet that Joe was his hire, or he picked that script, right? Yeah, and like you know, he spent a lot of time with Joe. And no, I have no idea what he was thinking, but that that show was awful. I don't know. I don't understand why no one else did. I felt like everyone was trying, but. God, that was awful stuff. Ugh. Joe Minonsky wrote the teleplay for Anonymous Rex, which is a 2004 movie about dinosaurs didn't go completely extinct when the asteroids hit 65 million years ago. Today, every 10,000th person in the country is a dinosaur. Evolved to a human size. It's about lizard people. <laughs> so to give you an idea oh, wait. of his idea of okay yeah oh i got one more thing for i got one more joe minoski thing probably the thing he's made the most money on is he sold a screenplay that he co-wrote with brandon braga to james cameron called real time wow huh. that probably i mean that seriously that probably bought him a house oh yeah so well, it's funny. He made a movie about basically reptilians and <laughs> your whole theory that Irish Stephen Bear is like a uh, libertarian probably maybe with... A libertarian, yeah. Maybe he's like a uh, Infowars... Oh, he's a conspiracy theory libertarian? I don't know. He's a reptilian Illuminati? If we're going to disparage a man, let's go all out and... No, he's probably great. <laughs> let's just shit on it. We're going to keep on. Let's pace ourselves. It's season one. <laughs> right, and Ira yeah. Bear is, is on this show for... 
seven seasons. Yeah, no, I don't actually have a problem with him, but I, I'm going to pretend that he's a <laughs> conspiracy David Icke truther. Yeah, David, yes. Dramatist yes. for Sony is a 7.0 out of 10. Fuck people. Out of 560, yeah. I mean, people love this episode. Yeah, yeah, people like Donald Trump too, buddy. I mean, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> fucking, like, nothing matters, man. Yeah, well. That episode is shit. See, my main thing is, like, if they, well listen to our episode about it and then my what would you fix and that's my problems with that one mm-hmm. it's, not, it's just not consistent internally with the logic of the of what this virus they get nope i don't remember what i said in that episode but i would say that how you fix that episode is don't do it right. <laughs> yeah okay so let's finish this off with what one of the questions i wanted to ask the panel <laughs> is worst character bashir or Dax. Wade, do you want to go first? Um, oh, this is hard. I guess it would be Bashir, because Dax, Dax is mainly just ill-served by the actor. Mm-hmm. Where at, and that Dax episode does a good job of rounding out Dax better than the actor can. But actually, but then later on, I actually do like the character, and I like Terry Farrell's doing it. It's just they just don't know what they're doing with her. But they figure her about better... Bashir is just a mess this whole time, I, but it's ended and we still don't really know anything about him. Except the passenger one and is the one where they try to. Yeah. I was, and then the acting with when they redub the vo- voices on that. <laughs> so bad. That was what I was going to argue for is like the worst if it's not move along home just for that performance. But oh, yeah, it's really bad. But the other woman, the marshal or whatever that's looking for the serial killer, she's actually pretty good. I think at one point I would rather her have. She, we had gotten her than Kira, but none of her has grown on me. Yeah, she saves that episode. Okay, so you say Bashir full. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Bashir. You're all Bashir. I want to do Dex. Because he's the worst written. Yes. Hugh? Yeah, I, I completely agree with Wade. Okay. I know that doesn't make for great podcast listening. Yeah, I thought we would be some disagreement here. I know, I, but here's the thing. We don't know. They have no idea what Bashir's supposed to be. Sometimes he's wet behind the ears. Sometimes he's a swarmy ladies man. Sometimes he's just there to facilitate some some medical information. Overly eager. Sometimes he's overly eager. I think there's no elevator pitch for Bashir. If you're going to pitch the show and you're going to say, okay, and the commander lost his wife and the security officer is a shapeshifter and the doctor is what? See, they still don't, you, you know, they don't have, there's no hook for him at all. Yeah. At least Dax... There's some built-in characterization that's interesting. Right, right. Dax is a science officer who had many past lives due to their symbiotic nature of of her species. She has a slug that lives inside of her. Right, right. So I think, you know, she has a relation. Bashir is, what it says is that he's arrogant, I I guess. Maybe he's arrogant. That's not enough. I mean, that's not enough for sci-fi. Yeah, that's definitely, that's really not. Good looking and arrogant. Well, they need to have, it's Star Trek, they have to have someone who's a sleazy or a womanizer, and he's the best they got. He's the, he's the Riker of the show at this point. <laughs> Which is probably the most colossally underused character on that show. Yeah, yeah they had to rehash and bring him in on DS9 at some point. <laughs> Enterprise, yeah, yeah and, the, and uh, Enterprise, most notoriously. Oh, yeah. Okay, I gotta agree. Okay, I gotta agree, because you're right. Every, you're right on the elevator pitch. You're right on that. The character is just a nothing bland, nothing character. The only exciting thing he was given in the whole show was the passenger. But the, His two big episodes, A Man Alone and The Passenger, are all on our shit pot. Andramas Personae was, was a 
the big Bashira. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had like the waffle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That was the episode. Ooh. The Storyteller is the best Bashir episode, I think. But it's mainly just because O'Brien hates this guy and they have to learn to get along or whatever. Right. Yeah, but I didn't feel like that wasn't really. I mean, you're right. That was a storyline in it, but I didn't feel like that was. What did they experience together was. Oh, yeah. And it's not great, but that's the best you get with him. Just the plot of the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's still kind of weak sauce, but it's the best you get. Yeah. So let me reword it. You are Rick Berman. We'll do it this way. You're Rick Berman and Paramount comes to you and says, uh, we're not we're not we're not signing this many checks next year. Oh, uh, you have to cut an actor. Who do you cut? I'm cutting Bashir. I wouldn't cut Bashir. I'd get rid of Terry Farrell. She's easily replaced one. You just say, oh, we lost, we have a new host. You put a new, because you can keep Dax around without having to have Terry Farrell. Terry Farrell, Dax Addiction, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to argue with you on that. Here's my point with killing Bashir. This is when you do Bashir in. You do him in the hands of the prophets. He's actually in the explosion, and he actually is dead at the end of that episode. He is a cautionary tale. His characterization actually makes sense. The Mm. wet behind the ears, know-it-all physician ends up dead because the frontier isn't a place for new adventures. It's a place where people are living their lives, and people die out here. This shit is real. Oh, you give his life an arc. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. There's still more interesting stuff that can be done with Dax, and I think she's salvageable, as we actually see later. Yeah. Bashir is... Can we both say that both are salvaged? I I agree. I, I disagree. We can get into that later on, whenever they try to salvage. You don't like Bashir later on. I completely disagree with Bashir later on, but we can get... That's something... There's a storm brewing. We'll be fighting for that for right. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you made a good sell right there with how you killed Bashir off. That was good, yeah. My my considerations are purely actor-based, not story-based. Right, yeah. I think that they were, too. I think that you can't watch the last three episodes of this season and not think they're going to fire her. Yeah, she gets less and less lines. It looks like she's on her way out, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Yeah. And I do like her later on, but if I'm the if I'm the guy signing the checks and I don't know where how we fix it later on and all I got is what we're what we have seen so far, yeah, she's easily the first to go. I expected when I posed that question, I expected everybody to propose like a Paul Kinsey, like Paul Kinsey in the Mad Men where he's just not in oh, the yeah. next season. <laughs> AMC fired him, but but he just wasn't in the show. They explained it like two seasons later. But you know, you're gonna you're gonna give it importance. You're gonna make it like big pussy in the Sopranos. You're gonna Yeah, I'm gonna give it he's gonna go out with importance. He's he doesn't have any any characterization to speak of so it has to like he doesn't facilitate a need in your elevator pitch other than yeah he, you know he's a caution he could be a cautionary tale the reason why you don't give him an overt characterization is because he's a cautionary tale i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah no yeah if i'm the guy signing the checks you just saved it from the writer's room it's <laughs> like nope we got to make a choice i don't want to do this to anybody but so and we don't think she's great and then you're the writer that just saved her ass, and then now she owes you. Right. <laughs> Bashir hates me for the rest of his life. The actor who plays Bashir hates me for the rest of his life. <laughs> well, sure, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. And he wouldn't have been on Game of Thrones for a half a season. <laughs> right. No. Okay, so, th- yeah, I think that that is uh, where we are in the first season. And I, I guess I would just leave our uh, listeners with the knowledge that it gets better. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> It gets better from here. It ended strong, and it gets better. When you look at this list, there's more good than bad, and I think that's a good sign for things to come. Yeah. I felt like we had a string of crap. Yeah. When you go through a 
five or six week period where Captive Pursuit is your best episode. <laughs> yeah, it was rough there for a while. It's disheartening. When we got to move along home, that was a low point. I felt like we broke. We hit bottom on that episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. As much fun as it was to talk about. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, what am I doing this podcast for? This show is bad. Yeah. Like, oh, no, it's not. It's actually good. Okay. Yeah. I actually had to break. And I one of the things that like we talked about, we've been talking about, I think off air, is how does this season one compare to the other five Four, five? Star Trek series? Five. Yeah, five other Star Trek series. Season ones. Obviously, I think this is the first original series, first season, is probably the best out of all of them. Yeah. But um, I may put this as the worst. Worst first season. Worse than season one of Next Generation? I don't know. That's pretty bad. Man. That is, that's a high bar. I think there's more good in here than there is in that first year. Yeah. Yeah. The first, yeah, this has duet. This has du- this has duet. Right. So yeah, yeah. There's no show as good as duet in the first season of next year. And emissary is a better opener pilot than Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, and Encounter at Farpoint. If you go back and rewatch it, there's some real lopsidedness to that as a story, and they shoehorn Doctor McCoy into a scene that has they do no that doesn't service the narrative at all it's awkward i remember that from watching it the original time i was like why is he you know first off you're trying to figure it out why because i'm a kid i'm like what 10 when the show aired i'm like why is he so old i'm nine i think why is he so old and then like why why is he in this episode why i don't understand like why why yeah. they just literally there he's transporting him Shoehorn, yeah. yeah that's a yeah, and I think it, they don't have an. I mean, they have some things that they carry on through the whole show. I think The Traveler is the first season. It ends with that stupid ass, the scorpions that are going into the mouths of the Federation. Oh, yeah. Admirality. The, so. I think it's right in the middle. I think this is better. This is a better season one than the first season of Voyager, which was, which is almost unwatchable. I'd say that. I Yeah, you're right. Okay, if you take Duet out. And Hands of the Prophet out. And I know I'm playing around here. Okay, now now you've got three episodes that you're trying to, to take out. <laughs> I take out two episodes. I'm leaving an emissary. Take out Duet and Hands of the Prophet. How it ends. If you cut that off, I think it's comparable to Voyager. Not as bad as Next Generation, but nowhere near as good as the original series. And right. Enterprise. <laughs> I love the first the season. The first season of Enterprise is strong as hell. They only squander that later on. Yes. It's shocking how good that show starts out. Yes, yes. I have watched it recently, and I there is so much that me and my wife loved about that first season that was just slowly sort of drained from it. By the time that we ended finished watching it, it was just like, whatever, let's just get this over with. <laughs> you know, it's like the... The last date you go on with a girl, you know, you're going to dump. <laughs> you're just like, fuck it. Let's just get this over with. And let's just right. eat dinner, see a movie, and I'll dump <laughs> you tomorrow. And I, I felt like the whole show was that. And I felt like that was that way for like everyone involved in the show. And I felt bad for it. But mm-hmm. so, so okay. We think it's resoundingly middle, like a number three. Yeah. yeah. Right in the middle. Of the best first season. Sure. Whereas okay. Enterprise starts off strong and ends weak. This starts off in middling and ends up pretty good. It gets better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. This this ends up as the best. Yeah, yeah. I do remind people, this is my favorite Star Trek series. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. There's so. a reason we decided to do this whole thing. Oh, yeah. We actually think this is really great. All right. This is the best. All right. So I, I think we've said everything. I, I'm so ready to be over season one. Is everybody else? Yeah. Yeah, me too. And uh, look forward to the future. All right. Yeah. 
Yes. All right. We'll see you next time with uh, the first episode of season two. Yeah, yeah. The Homecoming. Yeah, thanks for listening to us. Keep listening. The Homecoming. And Frank Langella is in that episode. So oh, nice. Watch out for Frank Langella. He slept with Whoopi. Follow us on all the things and like us and review us and do us a solid. And, yes. And I love you. Yes, review us on iTunes. Yeah. yeah we're, we're only 20 episodes into this podcast, and this is the first time we asked you to review us on, on iTunes. <laughs> Can you kind of cut us some slack and just give us a nice review, for Christ's sake? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those other podcasts are hitting you up on day one. <laughs> Come on. Yes. It's yes. the least you could do. <laughs> yes. We don't ever say like and subscribe, like and subscribe on the shows. Right, right. We, are, we save the guilt for right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. All right. Three to beam out. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod and on Tumblr at the Rules of AcquisitionPodcast.tumblr.com. Send us an email at Rules of AcquisitionPodcast at gmail.com. You can turn this off now. It's pretty pathetic that you are still listening. Do you not have friends, or a hobby that is not Star Trek podcast related? That is possibly why people are fearful for the future of our society. We believe in you. We know you are better than this.